Welcome to another episode of I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall. Hey, everybody. So today is seriously a special, special episode because it's not too often that I get to talk to, you guys know I have a very eclectic group of extremely successful, not bragging, amazing real life friends. I mean, like real life, like people that have become my family. And today we are having the privilege of speaking to one of them together. It's also rare that we get to have adults that come on this podcast and people that are children of adults that have grown up, lived their entire lives, seen their adulthood, and now they're able to look back and come and speak to us from a child's perspective. Now, this person isn't a child. They far from it. No shade. But their experience, when I talk about my work and I've my friend has shared his story with me, it's one Oh my God. I'm just, I'm just going to let you guys hear it. So today I'm talking to Steph Watts, my real life dear friend. Steph is an investigative journalist and TV producer specializing in crime and justice television with an emphasis on missing persons cases, unsolved murders and cold cases. While you might recognize his voice, you'll surely recognize his face as Steph has frequented CNN and most recently appeared in Vanity Fair Confidential's Natalie Holloway Lost in Paradise. He also created, produced, and appeared in ID's highest ranking series, John Benet Ramsey, An American Murder Mystery, and Casey Anthony, An American Murder Mystery. Steph was also featured in Oxygen Network series Notorious and was a special correspondent for the syndicated crime show Crime watch daily in 2017 he launched what's up productions and is currently in development on several new crime series steph is the go-to guy for justice and a known voice for the missing murdered and misunderstood hey steph that was quite the intro thank you very much i see you've done your homework i love you i've done my homework Oh my gosh, y'all. So we're sitting here with Steph and you all know right after this dance break, we're about to get into it. We're about to get into who is the man behind the murder, the mystery and mayhem. Maybe not mayhem. No, yeah, real life mayhem. (laughs) So right after this dance break, I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall. I know I'm crazy. Steph Watts, welcome here. Welcome to I Know I'm Crazy. I'm just here to uh, for everybody to just, you know, verify that you are crazy. I just want people to know that's the only reason I'm <laughs> to tell everybody, yes, she's crazy. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> no, just, you know, thanks for the opportunity to be here. It's funny because you and I, you know, we have these TV lives where we have, as friends, you know, I started to tell you my story. And then I yes. look at your face and... I'm like, wait, is this something that is not like I just assumed kind of everybody had been through this kind of an experience. And really what we're talking about here is the effects of a blended family or divorce on adult children. Because, I, you know, I told you I was in my my early, early 20s when Mm. my father, uh, you know, my father had an affair on my mother and is now married to the woman. Um, they have the same name. My mother's name is Patricia Watts, and my yeah. father's wife's name is Patricia Watts. So it's like Pat, Mrs. Pat Watts, and nobody knows who they're talking to. 
Right. And, you know, and, you know, you've been such a great friend. You talked to me about my disastrous sort of dating choices. But, you know, when we really started to peel back the layers of the onion and sort of have more serious conversations, I think that there is sort of a lasting effect of that kind of stuff on you, even if you're an adult. And I think that if you don't talk about it and you don't deal with it, it definitely affects your relationships. I can see it with my sister and I can see it with my brother. And mm. I can just give you a real quick example. He was, my brother's been married three times. He's got a beautiful wife. Now I love her. And I call her my sister outlaw, but he had just got, I didn't know he was married three times. Right. And one of the things Naja is he had been married the second time my brother was married my parents were going through what they were going through, but they didn't want to tell my brother. And I remember my brother said to me, you know, I looked at mom and dad when I was going down the aisle and I'm like, I'm going to make it last as long as their marriage. Cause at that time they'd been married for 25 years. And then just months later, they announced that they were getting, that they were separating. Uh, so you already kind of knew that there was trouble in paradise, but your brother didn't know yet. You know what? It's funny. I didn't, I noticed that my mom was super skinny but I thought it was like she was doing that mom thing, like my son's getting married, so I'm going to be. <laughs> she was stressed out. We had celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary prior, just before my brother's marriage. So my mom knew all this time that my father was having an affair. And, you know, I don't want to put all the blame on men. And you, you and I have talked extensively about that. Mm-hmm. There's reasons why people have affairs but you know I, I look back on it now and I think to Naja wow what a strong woman that she kept that face on during mm. that time knowing we were throwing this huge pig roast and friends were coming and family were coming to sell her family is falling apart literally her life is about to change and she knew at that time that my father was involved with somebody else so what do you do you know think about as a woman you know, I'm trying to remove myself from being my mother. That that was pretty, she mm-hmm. could have been like, you know, F you, you know, you, this is what he's doing. But she was gracious. And I know she could have told all you guys. She could have turned yeah. you away from him. She could have, she well, could have been nasty and vile. That, that it did, did happen. That did happen. I think you and I talked about that. I think that there was, you know, it's easy in a relationship to blame the other person. So when this stuff came down, Um, I remember coming home and finding my mother in tears and she was bleeding on the stairway because she had had some kind of surgery. Of course, I come home to assume that there had been some kind of domestic situation and lost my fucking mind. Yeah. Yeah. My father. And I went up to my father's study where he would often as children, Naja, have conversations with us. We would sit in the sofa and he would sit at his desk. Oh, wow. My father was on the sofa and I went into the room and I sat at the desk and it was a complete role reversal. And I had to hear him for the first time explain to me that he was involved with somebody else and he'd had an affair on your mother. But and, and for years, we we allowed him to carry that burden when now I realize there's two people in that relationship and it was not all his fault. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. You said for years we allowed him to carry this burden. So the burden, and correct me if I'm wrong, the burden that you allowed him to carry was mom was the victim. Dad did all the things. He Every step to dissolving this marriage leading up to that infidelity was dad's fault. But now you're kind of saying, wait a minute now, mom was not completely not at fault. Right. 
Right. She, she, what does I, that mean? What does that mean? Without getting too telling too much of her mom's business. Right. I think it's, I think it's a good question. I think you can't be complacent. Like if you know, let's if you and I are in a relationship and you're not happy, I can't just be angry at you and it's all your fault. I have to look at what are the reasons for me that I'm not happy. You in, my, in the case of my parents, you know, you learn to realize. You know, for so many years, we isolated my father and his wife and my mother was at Christmases and Easter's and birthdays. But then you started to realize, well, you know, so mom got all the holidays and kind of so, like so mom got all the holidays after the divorce. But right. She got the family and Patricia got the man. Right. And then but you have to start to look at what was my mother's responsibility in the relationship that failed. Okay. Was okay. it in, in that conversations without getting too deep into somebody else's personal business? There was issues of, of lack of intimacy or lack of affection and attention, which I think is a common. And that's illegal in some states too. Alienation of affection will get you uh, an uncontested divorce so fast. Did you right. know that? Right. <laughs> But but you can, can you but here's my my big well, then why did she not want to be intimate and we don't these are questions that obviously are rhetorical because she's not here to speak for herself but it's so, like that goes both ways like, is she withholding sex as a lot of wives especially women y'all know we we do this you will withhold affection and sex as a means of punishment and I think you can like you know you a lot of issues are you your own unhappiness with your own life are you really attracted to this person but there's different levels there's there's affection and you know there's it's there, you know it's so complicated there's attention affection sexual contact you know but but what happened really is can you blame somebody if someone is not providing for them for their needs so they move on you know, without, again, getting too much into the situation with my parents. So does that make sense, Naja? Like, you know, it, it, but for years, we carried that around. And then we started to realize, like, you know, my father's not the villain in this situation. And he was vilified for so many years. You know, and he was such a, my dad's such a good dad, such a great provider. My mom's such a great mom. It was just, well, as adults, I mean, I think I went off the rails. I mean, my relationships have been, you know, always going into them. You know, me and Naja would like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, this isn't going to work out. Like, you know, there's going to be an expiration date on this, you know, setting myself but up. Steph, though, but you grew up seeing an intact home and you grew up seeing the, in the traditional family sense. It wasn't until you were in your mid-20s that this happened. Well, I think I think you're right on one part, Naja, but also I, I as a child, especially being I think hyperly intuitive, which I am, I sense yeah. always a problem between them. I okay, that they were good people, but they were never good together, and that's hard to say. And I hope that my parents aren't hurt by that, but you know, even well, my clearly mom, that's the truth because they ain't together. So. Is I don't I I I remember my my moments that I reflect back on as a child are usually individual with my dad or my mom. Although we had wonderful ski vacations and vacations, and you know, really everything we wanted for as children. My father worked really hard. He was mm-hmm. gone a lot. I understood why sometimes he wasn't that happy. 
because uh, you know that was a shitty life you know you leave in the morning hey. you're traveling you've got three kids and he provided very well for us so um you know all we can do now is in you know i'm blessed that i still have them and and just try to understand you know kind of what what makes them tick so question steph because you know i just kind of circling back because i'm trying to understand and you made a very good point you said you as a hyper intuitive child and i hear a lot of children of divorce and me and you have the same star sign we're both like these sensitive ass cancers too so right. I, I i can identify a lot when you say that you probably notice that Yes, your parents are existing in the same space. They're raising the same kids, but they're having two completely different life experiences. And they might not have enjoyed, gotten all the enjoyment and fulfillment that a marriage should provide. And so you were seeing this and you probably kind of knew something was a little off. So why, when the divorce happened, why was everybody swayed towards mom's side when you knew that they weren't happy together anyway? You know, I, I think the answer is very simple. My, you know, when we looked at it on the surface, my father was demonized because he had an affair and mm -hmm. chose to be with Patricia, the woman, and they're married and they're still together to this day. So in that simplistic explanation of what happened, he's the bad guy. Dad pursued his happiness. Right. And and can, he's been with Patricia because your dad is in his 80s now, right? Yeah. Dad, dad is in his eight. All your parents are in their 80s. And so he made this decision. He's like, I'm not going to live the rest of my life, how much ever time I have left, unhappy. I'm going to pursue happiness. Is he happier with Patricia? Like, do you see him being different now? Is he presenting as a different man now that he has this fulfillment in love? I think that that's a good question. Yes. But it sounds like you're going to say, it's, but. It's, you know, it's a difficult question to answer because, you know, where, you know, I sort of look at, like, I really, I really like my parents now. Does that make sense? Like, I mm -hmm. like where my mom's at and I like, you know, my dad is a complex, unique individual. Is he, he presents to us like he's happy yeah i mean there's okay. there she's you know they're they're uh they travel the world uh she's from london uh, mm -hmm. she's uh they worked together she was my father's accountant so they spent oh, so I, I damn think, wait, I so she so knew that he had coins she knew about that money so okay let's talk about a fair Don't worry about that. my mother my mother got her fair share she did all right <laughs> okay because she was just like i'm not playing but, but about one this thing, but one of the things i just would like to say is i think that you know the when i see you know the stories i see on your platforms and the stuff that you tell me and and you know publicly discuss about other what people do to their children i want to understand it stays with them forever you can hate your partner your husband you you want to use that child against them you're going to pay the price for that later on down the line so get ready for that to come back and bite you in the ass because what really price is your it doesn't seem like your mother is paying a price because she gets you guys all the holidays um what price is she paying though i can see you saying the kids are paying a price all right do you want to know the price she's paying yeah she has no grandchildren because myself and my sister and my brother all choose to not have children. 
because of your childhood, because you're like, I'm not bringing kids into this because I don't. <gasps> have you, you, wait a minute. Have you and your siblings collecti- collectively sat down and said, guys, I ain't having kids because how our childhood was with mom and dad. Have you guys collectively agreed? No, we've never specifically had that conversation, but you know, it's very rare for adults Usually there's one person in the family that might not have children or, or mm-hmm. can't have children. That's, that's certainly, uh, there's other ways around that, but yeah, I yeah. think, and you know, it's funny because I look at my brother and sister and think to myself, they would be very good parents. And my, my mother never talks about it, but my father does bring it up and mm. he'll say, well, I guess the family legacy ends here. This is the end the rope. And when you think like that, it's like, okay, you know, then you start, then it's sort of like you start to unpack all this kind of, kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think if you had a nurturing childhood that was fulfilling, you would want to have children. Okay. So because I, I guess I'm still, go ahead. I guess I'm still looking for ways because you're saying the parents will pay. It seems like. I don't see where the payback from the parents is happening. I see where the children are paying for the sins of the father and mother. I'm not seeing where, like, because it it sounds like a really good threat to tell a parent that is alienating their children from the other parent or their other parent, their co-parent is now a target and enemy number one to say, hey, listen, if you don't stop this bad behavior and this bad talk and this alienation, one day you're going to pay. And so it's like, I'm right. not hearing what the repayment is that's so bad. It's like, okay, well, no grandkids, but... Does your partner share kids with a loony? Are your stepkids driving you up a wall? Is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries? Well, VIP Stepmom is where you need to be. We're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms, and we'd love for you to join our tribe. Each month, our members enjoy private conversations, podcasts, expert workshops, a subscription to Stepmom Magazine, and monthly live Zoom meetings. If you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life, visit VIP Stepmom today. We'll save a seat for you. VIP, VIP, stepmoms, that's you and me. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's a good question. I think in our, in the case, our case, there was time, like we've worked on, how do I say this politely? I think that like my, you know, my sister and. We are not polite on this podcast. All right. So so bottom line is, is my sister didn't have a close relationship with my mom. There was, she wouldn't call her. She wouldn't visit, you know, and, and I've really maneuvered you know, I will take credit for it saying it's important to fix, establish the relationship. I always tell yeah. them they did the best job that they could do with the tools that they had. So is Thanks. it, you, you know, what is, you know, what makes my father and my mother happy right now, Nasha, is a friggin' phone call, a Zoom, a FaceTime. My dad's always like, I call him, he's so excited. Thanks for calling, you made my day. Like he's, so it's like really you're gonna you're gonna not do that because you're angry just let it go so my point to you is it, it could other people would just choose to not have relationships with their parents and i, I know a lot of people that, that have though yeah, yeah i saw that happening and and i've i've worked and you know i mean my sister's in therapy we're all everybody's trying to you know be better my brother's in therapy and we laugh about stuff now yeah 
So, uh, but yeah, we got to recover from these damn childhoods. And, you know, I know when you say it, because I've told myself about this, my own childhood and watching what my stepchildren are experiencing, my husband's child, you know, all of us, everybody that I love a lot. And it's like, we're, when you get these kids that come out into the world, you have this beautiful, in your case, your parents had this beautiful blonde haired, blue eyed bundle of joy. And they're like, what the hell are we supposed to do? Like, oh my God, what do I do to not screw this person up? Because that's what we want essentially is just, I don't want to screw my kids up. But then you, they did the best that they did, but then they also did what they did. Mm-hmm. I do wonder, like when your mother, because she sounds like she's the one that kind of, she was, she got to be the victim here. Is there a way that you think your dad could have spoken up for himself? And while he was, you know, he was over there happy with Patricia, but you guys are seeing mom bumbling full of tears. Could that have said something to you guys to, to change your trajectory so that mom wouldn't have been the victim? You know, that's a good question. I think at the time it would have not, it would have been him revealing that intimate things about the relationship. And I think it would have made him look like he was bashing her. So I don't think so. I think it was best to let it kind of play out in time. So so she got to control the narrative then. Yes. Yes. And it was unpleasant for years. And it was like, I'm going to pick up the phone and she, you know, it's going to be, you know, her, you know, as your, you know, your father and her, Ma, you know her name. It's the same as yours. Hmm. I I know you didn't forget it. You know, and then it just becomes holidays are awkward. And, you know, it kind of came to a boiling point for me. This, and you and I talked about this during pandemic when some of my family members had some health issues, which involved families having conversations. And Serious I said, health I issues. This separately. Like I still t- people, and I want people to understand this. I'm a grown ass man, you know, of a certain age, well over 40. <laughs> and I still can't put my parents on the same email address. Damn. They will not. They will not. Naja, you're like, oh, no, you're a- saying they will not. Is it your mom or is, is it dad and Patricia? It's both. They prefer. Oh. They prefer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, no, no. We, uh, we, listen, I'll tell you something. My father's wife has always been very gracious because I said to my dad at my birthday party, and you noticed the picture because you said, oh, look at your parents. They're so beautiful. And I was like, Naja, I had to drag them. That was the first party. Yes. 40th birthday party. And I'm arm in arm with my parents. And I love the. It's one of my favorite pictures. It really is. And they interact. But my father's wife wasn't there. And I said to dad, you've been there and supported me through every one of my partners. Good, bad, and ugly, failed relationships. It's not fair that Patricia can't be here and be part yeah. of the blended family because mom is going to be uncomfortable. And I finally said to him, you know, I, I, I want Patricia to be there. She's part of this family. Mm-hmm. Like it or not, everybody. Like it or not. Because Patricia's been kind to you. Why should you have to separate this piece of yourself just to come be with your damn kids? But she's always been... I've had conversations with her about it. She's like, I understand. I appreciate it. This is your mother's time. Like, she's been super respectful. But the Does she that, have biological children? Yes, she does. She has uh, two children who are very nice. Okay. Okay. Um, and, yeah. And then, she, yes, she has two children. 
Okay. Okay. So she, she, so she can say that is very gracious. She's like, you know what? Thank you so much for the invitation, Steph, but this is your mother's time and I'm going to send my husband and I love you. Damn. I want to know, know, this is, I asked my sister this question. I called the other day and I said, you know, it's going to happen. God forbid. But one of these days, you know, mom and dad are going to pass. Do you think mom will go to dad's funeral? And my sister said, absolutely not. How do you spend 25 years with somebody and three kids raised three children, you know, and you know, to this day, does it bother me? So, you know, we've, I've unpacked this a lot with you and that's why you and I want to do as a grown ass man. Does it bother me? Yes. Am I used to it? I Skype with my dad. I zoom with my mom or zoom with my face. I do. Yeah. But, and and then I have to ask myself, okay, so how is that affecting me? Because I'm, you know, and you know, I'm not the best at, at making relationships work. So that's just really, I'm not blaming them. I'm not putting the blame on them because, you know, I've made bad choices, but um, it's certainly, it's, it's, you know, what the reason why you and I wanted to have this conversation is I said, you know, Naja, people don't really talk about. We don't talk about the long term. The long term or the effects of divorce on adult children. Because at the time I was in my early twenties. So I'm an adult. Okay. Yeah. You were out on your own, not dependent on them. And and you're hearing about this stuff. You just maneuver through that on your own. It's uncharted waters. You kind of look into your brother and sister and they're like, just as confused as you are. Your parents- now, are, your sis- are your siblings older or younger than you? Yeah, so I'm the, I'm the youngest. My sister's actually uh, uh, 13 months older than me. And my brother's a year older than her. So it's kind of bang, bang, bang. Oh, wow. They were back to back. Mom and dad were like, Right, right. Well, that might be too. <laughs> but um, you know, so it's like here you are, twenties, right, figuring your life out, traumatized by this divorce by of, the, of your parents, looking to everybody for answers. They're suffering from trauma. Your brother's going through a marriage. Your sister's in, like, you know. So it's not like again, I'm not looking for. This is a family crisis at but, that point. But but it, but it was never dealt like it was. All right, it was never handled like it was a family crisis that's the problem everybody just keep on like everything's fine nothing to see here mom is over here crying dad is upset dad is moving away there's this new woman that's introduced into the fold mom probably hates her for dear life right. and, she, Do you? Right. and patricia becomes the the the, the bad person she yeah. becomes the other woman they hate you know this this story absolutely you know, you're the bet you're the villain patricia yep not the villain yes she made a decision to have an, a relationship with a man who was married but we don't know what my father was telling her about where he was at with my mom like, wow either, right? it's crazy to hear you say this because right? as a stepmom and you it's so crazy to hear this come from an adult that is a stepchild that you know his you know this happened because there's a lot of people in my position you know i'm the some people say second wife, but I'm the last wife. And one thing that happened in our scenario was I got accused of impeding in a marriage. I got accused of being the other woman. And that was a goddamn lie because I met my husband. I didn't, first of all, when I met my husband, he told me he was married, uh, divorced for two years. Then come to find out shit hit the fan. He's still going in divorce court. And so I was like, okay, so how long have you been living apart? We've been living apart for a year. I've been paying support for a year and a half. So I'm like, okay, oh, and she's with someone else. So then all of a sudden the the narrative that was very convenient 
somebody needed to be the villain here. Somebody, and it would it became me. And I was like, dude, I can do shit. I didn't even know. So it's so interesting. I wonder if my stepkids will be able to have that type of insight to be like, wait a minute. When Ms. Nadja came around, mom and daddy were already in divorce court and he was living in a different fucking state. Like I, I you know, I do wonder, but I know that uh, that affects your relationship that you can have with your dad's wife though Steph because there's like an allegiance to mom like what if your mama for for Easter Easter just passed what if you're like mom I'm gonna go spend the holiday with dad and Patricia for Easter so I'm not gonna come over to your house because they you know they live in different places like would you feel even at your age at this point in the game a full-grown adult how would you feel saying it to mom it would it would be a (laughs) well it's an interesting question it's something that I would have to think through and be concerned about her feelings. You see, you got to think about your mom's feelings just to go to damn Easter dinner. You see that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, um, you know, I, as people know, you know, I'm from Canada, so I would, I'll, you know, my parents live at sort of opposite ends of the lake. You can go up, stop, go to my mom's, go to my brother with the family farm and then continue on to my dad. And sometimes my dad gets left out of that scenario. Like I go visit my mom and my brother, but I'm with my sister. She doesn't want to see my dad. So then we turn around and go back. And then he finds out, well, you guys were here and you didn't come and visit me. And he's hurt. And he has a right to be because it's like all this separation. And you know, what's funny now, the funny thing is I think about, and I've never said this to my mother, her and Patricia would get along really well. They would oh, like, no. you know, that's the sex. Like they, they would, would, they could be friends. They could be friends. I think that they would have, you know, uh, uh, interesting conversations. And I think my family was so, you know, so concerned about the narrative of her and her role in the breakdown. And disillusion of the marriage. But it wasn't her. She had no role in that. That was already happening. And that was all your dad to be, let's just be real. That was, Patricia didn't take any vows, but that was all dad. No, that's not fair, Naja. It was my parents as a union failed marriage. They're both equally responsible. That's what I'm saying. Like, Patricia is not, she didn't really have a dog in that fight. She's not. And I said this this to a friend of mine once. I said, because a friend of mine who's best man ended up by having an affair with his wife. But my my friend was a shady and a cheater. And I said to him, Jeff was not the cause of your failed relationship. He was a result of your failure. And people can't accept that. Oh, say that. Say say that again, because that's got to be a soundbite. Say that again. So, you know, you are not. So how do I say my father's wife was not the cause of my parents failed relationship she should not be blamed for the fact that these two people couldn't make it work for whatever reasons their relationship had already failed she is the result of the failure of their relationship people move on maybe on too quick maybe maybe she helped him realize that there th- things could, you know, you know, I, I'll break it down to you real simple. You yeah. know, you're in a loveless, affectionless, sexless marriage. You will go outside of that marriage to fulfill those needs. I don't care who you are. If you are not being appreciated, if you're not being touched, if you're not being loved, if you're not, if there's no, se- you will go elsewhere that people like everybody wake up, 
do not. And, and, you know, we've seen it a million times where people, men and women use that. Oh, I'm not giving him sex. I'm not doing this. That's fine, honey. You do that. That's fine. That's fine. But you're not going to cook him breakfast. Do you think he's going to starve? Do you think he's not going to eat somewhere? People have to have sustenance. So it kind of seems like your mom's attitude. I'm going to get a sandwich at the deli. Right. Let's just I'll be back. I'm going to get a sandwich. You want something? Okay, I'll be back. I'm coming back full. Don't worry about making me lunch. So it kind of sounds like your mom took on the temperament of, okay, cool. You get to go and pick up the pieces of your life and you get to be happy and experience romantic love. I'm taking the kids though. Did mom ever bring like a, did she ever find that romantic happiness again? Did she ever bring a stepdad around and with your dad saying name? You know, she didn't, but you know, for a long time, you know, my, we, we viewed it as she's never moved on. She's not happy. But why can't we look at it through the lens of she raised three children. She worked. Mm-hmm. She spent 25 years with this man. She loves her life now. My mom is yeah. happy. She has friends. She travels. She does yoga. She hikes. She does what she wants. That's the life she chose. And she doesn't complain about it. She doesn't say like, oh, you know, she, you know, maybe that's, there, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she, maybe that wasn't her ideal choice, but, but it was a choice. Um, I think what bothers me is just that the inability for the two of them to communicate all these years later, I'm still like, really, are we still doing this? Like, have you tried? And I know it's not, but wait a minute. I know it's not your responsibility because you guys have had some family emergencies, meaning your parents do have three adult children who themselves are going through remarriage, divorce, illnesses, just real life stuff. Um, and I know you want to see the two people that created and raised you to be able to put that shit aside, y'all's drama aside and come together to support us as a collective. Have you ever appealed to your parents and said, this is what I need. I'm not doing a separate email thread. Uh, I don't want to hear about what mom or dad did. Have you ever put your foot down and and it's unfortunate that I have to even ask a, a child this question, but have you ever had to do that? No. Why? I want you to say, y'all got me effed no, up. I, I'm it, not doing two freaking emails. I, I thought I did when, um, and I can I can talk openly about this. I think in the midst of, I told you the story in the midst of COVID, um, my brother got on a call with me and my sister and my dad and said, I want everybody to know I've got cancer. And we're like, feeling yeah, I remember, I remember that, man. That was so then, of course, the the uh, audacity of life. My dad calls two weeks later and says, well, I have some news. I also have cancer. I didn't want to. Shit. I didn't want to ruin your brother's moment. So now you're like, it's his moment. It's his cancer moment. Damn. My sister was dealing with personal issues within her marriage and things like that. So I called my, I did call my mom and said, mom, because, because here I am in the middle of the pandemic, you know, FaceTiming with my mom every day to make sure she's okay. Okay. My sister, you know, trying to deal with my brother and now my father. And I called my mom. I said, mom, I can't do all this alone. I can't carry this bird by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know, it yeah. was a lot. And then she said to me, what am I supposed to do? And I looked at her and I thought, it's not my job to tell you, like, you know, you've got children that are, are hurting. Um, an ex-husband who I don't know what's the outcome of the cancer is. And here I am traumatized dealing with all this. Again, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm just explaining, you know, the, the, the long-term effects of a broken family, of, of, of a family that has chosen not to be blended. We, we have accepted a life of, of, of segregation. You know, my parents. Damn, that's. You know, it's just like my parents. And we think about how short life is. And because I guess my question was, and it sucks that I have to ask this, and it sucks that you're in a position to do this, but, you know, appealing to the parents' sense of love and saying, I can't do this anymore. I'm having to separate some very familial things for your own temperament. Like, I know. And you know, what's interesting is, you know, being high profile is, is you're, you know, like, you know, I did, there was a point when, you know, one of the programs I was involved in, I, I won an Emmy, but it wasn't personal to me because it was a show that I worked on. Mm-hmm. But I would to myself, if I have that moment, if God blesses me with that moment of recognition, I want to see them. I want to see their faces together. In that audience, that's all I ask for before it's too late. You know, I want to say you have this. Yeah. this. You are a product of us, and we've made some mistakes, but we love you, and we're here together to support you. That's, you know, that would mean the word. That would be bigger than an Emmy. That moment of having your parents. That would be bigger than an Emmy. You know, the separate, the separate recognition that. The fact that I can't, you know, Zoom with them together or FaceTime with them together, it's always separate, you know? And but it's not separate. It's separate because it's bad feelings. It'd be different if they were, like, you know, we understand that they don't live in the same household, but it's like the bad feelings of saying, I will never work with this person. They've committed to that. That's scary. That's scary stuff because that's what's happening in my own blended family. There's one person that has committed to saying, "I will never," and it's like, "Bitch, for what? You but, say you're happy. It's like for what? Nobody's done anything to you at this point. It's been ten years. Selfish. No, you guys selfish because they don't look at what it does to everybody else. You stand your ground over there, but then you don't complain to me when you're left out. Like my father said to me. Well, why wasn't I invited to your brother's birthday party at the farm? Well, oh. why he wasn't invited? Because yeah. when I said to my brother, you need to invite him and give him the choice to not come or the choice to come. And at this point, if she's there and she wants to leave, then she can leave because I'm done with the segregation. Like, You're I done don't playing that game. You have to basically tiptoe around their feelings. Can- she can have five and he can have the other five, <laughs> you know, I mean, but I, I, I'm at the point now where like, you shouldn't be, oh, I'm not going to not invite nausea because we don't like Sally, Yeah, but, you know, fuck Sally, you know, you come and Sally doesn't like you being there, then she can leave. I mean, right. this is where I'm at. And again, because I don't, I don't why should I have to navigate this because i think about your you know your sis your siblings in their weddings it's like mom had to be mother of the bride dad had to walk your sister down the aisle it's like the parents can't sit at the same table 
it seems very, it seems so petty and childish and so emotionally unintelligent. And like you said, the children are the ones that have to deal with the segregation. Ultimately, I was not my brother's third wedding. I just thought about it now. And he wasn't invited. He wasn't there because my mother was there. And I, it's funny because he does not, he's standoffish with my father's wife, with my brother's wife, you know, and rightfully so, because he wasn't, excuse me, pardon me, because he wasn't included. Right. So it's like, you know, and then you asked me about, you know, why would we want, how would we explain this to grandchildren? Like, how would we explain this to our children? So I think we're all like, well, we can't go by Graham Graham and grandpa's house and, oh, but, they don't talk. And a kid is going to be like, well, why not? They can't play in the sandbox together, but they share sand. Like, well, now, my, now, my father does have grandchildren because Patricia's children have children. So he does have that grandfather, but they're not his children. You know, He's getting he to has, experience that. Okay. Right. He has that, that role. But I think our, our whole purpose for doing this is, you know, parents, you know, you see it all the time. They, 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 they take it out on each other and, 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 uh, you know, I'll, you know, it, please think about the kids. It doesn't matter what age they are because it does have lasting effects. I'm a grown ass man. I'm mm-hmm. successful. I do my own, you know, but there's times when I'm like, I think about it, you know, I'm I've human. seen it when your brother got sick. I, I saw how it affected you. And I saw the fresh, this, it was fury. It was fear. It was frustration that I saw when we were talking about it. And you're like, Naja, I can't even put these folks on the same email. Like, do you, do you know how stupid this, I remember, I don't, well, I can't, it's so hard for me to understand. I remember seeing it in your eyes and hearing your voice. Like we have to deal with a family crisis. We're dealing with cancer now. And these people can't put the BS aside. What could somebody have said? Cause it sounds honestly, Steph, like I know it's both of them. What if you just put them all on the same email? Like, hey, mom and dad, I'm I'm uh, winning an Emmy. I want you both to come. Here's the time. Would you get like flack from them? You'd be like, don't you ever do that? Would you get in trouble? That's such a good question. And and um, I think it would it would come up. It would it would definitely come up. It's so weird, right? Like it's really weird. Uh, and I just want everybody to know, listening. Um, you know, my brother's cancer, his cancer free. My father's cancer free. Everybody, thank God, think that it worked out great. Um, but it did trigger moments of how, as a family, you know, you know, Naja, you have you have a big family. You deal with tragedy or trauma or as a family, but when you don't have that family unity, then how do you deal with these situations? And and for me, I, it falls on me. I'm the cheerleader, Naja. You know me. I'm the one that's rally, rally. Let me call Brian. Let me call mom. Let me call dad. Let me, let me handle it. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhaustive. And I could see how having to be that family glue and still figure out and meander things in your own life how it can be exhausting and frustrating. And I see sometimes how you could just tap out. You're like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I, I don't want to do this anymore. This is too much for me. I could honestly see right. how you could, you could say, I don't want this responsibility because it's not my job. But I think you've done a good job 
of creating your own family system. You know what I mean? Like you've, you've done a good job of still navigating the complexities of other people's limitations and creating your own family. You know, we have our own thing over here in New York. Like we, we, you, you still have long lasting relationships. Um, but friendships because you i think it, when you if you meet my my mother she's beautiful and charismatic one and, would never know that she, this was department of justice she's intelligent right now. and if you meet my dad like there are these great people like i really like my parents right i do i, I mean i i'm enjoying these these years with my father the roles have switched you know you become mm-hmm. Like and your ch- your parents become childlike as they get older, um, and, and but but it's uh, so it's it's interesting, and that's why I'm so fascinated by your brand and what you do because you're really trying to work with people through these issues because then they're just going to end up by being in situations like I'm in, you know, and and it's a lot worse. People would be a lot more resentful towards their parents. There was a little bit of that with all of us. Uh, that we've worked through, but you know, and then parents will wonder why. Well, my kids don't call me. I never hear from them. But what did you do to to spark that behavior? Yeah, you, know, you you drove them apart from your father. I think the worst thing you can do, and you and I talked about this, is you know, my mom blaming my dad when, and at the time we can understand it, but then the realization from us as children, like, wait there's two people here and she was also part of the problem. My dad was not a hundred percent. So when, as, as if you're a, a child and you're, a, uh, your, your partner is moved on with somebody else and you're going to speak ill of your partner and that individual, in your case, you to those children, they will grow to resent you when they grow up, get ready because it's going to happen. Not you, Naja. I mean, other, you know. The, no, I know. So with you saying that you're giving this advice, what you're saying is you yourself developed a level of resent for your parents. You yourself developed that. And you have had to do some work in order to still find a way to have a relationship with them. I knew I was going to, I knew for years when I called my mother, it was going to be all negative talk about my father. I Damn. When, when I went to visit my dad, I'd have to tolerate that bitch that he's with because that Aww. was than my mother. And when I sat and we all resented Patricia, but now that I talk to her, I like her. You like, she's actually. She's got to put she's, up with my dad. I tell my mom that. I said, you want to put up with his wrinkly old ass now? You should be, you should be sending her Christmas cards. For real? <laughs> I'm like, girl, you got the good parts of him. She got it when he was in his 60s, honey. Like, but, come on. No, but some of the stuff that I see you working through as a friend and personally, and also with your clients, I'm sh- I shake my head because I'm like, man, you guys are in for a real big surprise. Your children will learn to resent you if you try to create a narrative that the other parent is bad. My mother still says to this day that she goes, your father was a good provider. He was. My father was a great provider. He wonderful. Emotionally, he wasn't there. But, you know, I mean, I look at my life now and I'm thinking, Christ, if I had three kids, I'd be a hot mess too. I'd be miserable because you're, you're just making sure those kids are provided for. So that, that's really why I think it was important that we had this conversation. I want people yeah. to, you know, you know, I really admire people who can say, you know what? It didn't work out between me and Naja. But I love Tony, and he's a great guy. And you know, I have kids, and Tony's good to my kids. Jesus, wow! Take the yeah. 
Give me, you know, work as a family and you're going to teach kids a, a valuable lesson that maybe love doesn't always work out as we planned, but but respect and, and kindness and cooperation and parenting does. And imagine those kids that are going to get into relationships and raise children when they've been deceived about the about relationships their whole viewpoint of, of relationship is deception. That's awful. Why would you? And they learn that deception and manipulation from their parents, from the people that were supposed to raise them and give them all the tools and resources to become these productive members of society. One of the first lessons that a lot of parents, especially alienating parents, teach their children is deception and manipulation. Right. And, and do it. Right. And what, for your own self-gratification so you can get back and self-gratification that's a good damn word for your self-gratification why don't you look at your own responsibilities why he left in the first place or why she left in the first place own your responsibility in a failed relationship there's two people i can't stand it when I, everyone's always like i'll bother she did this she did that i'm sitting there with my friends having a drink okay so what's your responsibility what did you do bullshit then you're mm-hmm. not then I'm not ready to have a conversation with you because you're not perfect. And there was, right. he had clearly, or he or she had needs that weren't being met that you weren't addressing. So they've moved on. And now that you're going to be resentful and mean towards them and ruin your children's hopes for happiness. It's just such a horrible cycle. I'm so glad mm-hmm. that you're, you're talking about this because there's so many blended. Families. I mean, look at look at our president. His family's blended. Everybody, president, literally everybody is, is, is right. It's almost the normal, and it's okay. But mm-hmm. we have a responsibility to be, you know, to raise children and being like, hey, it didn't work out with me and your mom. I love her. I respect her. You know, uh, this is my new partner, and we're going to make this work. Anything outside of that narrative is just damaging to the children. And you're gonna yeah, your kids don't need to know what daddy was doing, sneaking out or you about your new man. Like their kids don't need to know that BS. That's too much responsibility. I feel like even on our adult children, that's too much on their minds. I admire you so much, Steph, for being able to explore the level of resent that came up that your parents created. And I, I, I respect how you've tried to navigate. I've seen you try to be the glue with your family. I've seen you trying to be the peacemaker, the mediator. And I've also seen you stand up for yourself and be like, I'm not doing this shit. I'm not doing this with you all. Right. But, you know, look, they're adults and they're, this is the choices that they've made. And I can't fix other people's broken relationships. So we're respectful at this point. We go visit my mom and I'll tell my dad, yeah, I'm going to visit mom. You know, um, you know, I'll, I'll come and visit, you know, you, we, we've, we've made it work, but I'm not necessarily saying it was the best choice. I do have concerns. It's such a horrible thing to think about, but I think to myself, one day when my parents pass, will the other one be there that day? I would, I think my father would come to my mother's funeral. My mother would not go to my father's funeral. I mean, she could request for him not to be there though. If and and he would honor her but request. Again, but again, Naja, it's not about it's about supporting your children to the loss of a parent, right? You're gonna deny, and you and I was was we talked about it. there was a case about this. Remember, the child died. I think remember, and the one yeah. 
block the other parent from coming to the funeral to grieve. I actually interviewed both of those people. Right, and me right. and you still got to put that story together. Talk, but, you know, talk I, about shitty people. That's really But I think about this in my own case, and it would... You know, you know how things have panned out. And by this, at this point, everybody that's listened to the podcast, because I've told them, they know about the recent incident we had where the mom pulled the gun on my husband. And I, no, and so I've told the podcast about that at this point. You know, we're still in court about it, but it happened. I can't, like, I, I'm, I'm, we've had therapy about it. It happened. It's caused trauma, real life trauma, because I, you know, I said, well, what if she would have taken his life? What if she right. would have taken his life? Right. Would the children have been able to come? When you pull a gun right. somebody, that is a ramification that you have to consider. I right. wasn't unloaded. I don't know. Does she know how to fire a gun? I don't know. I don't know all those details. But, it, you know, it takes pull that trigger and it's over. We know that years of threats on ending both of our lives. We have recordings. We have all this stuff. And then it culminated into someone pulling a gun. So my assumption was that she was ready to go. Like she was ready to do that thing that day. But then I was like, what if something happened, had happened to him? How would the children come and say their goodbye to their father? Or later on, should my husband not make it? Would it be okay? Like, am I going to be able to allow a person who I knew tried to make his life a living hell while he was living? Would I allow them to come and celebrate his life? I'm not at that point. I'm not there yet to where I can say, okay, yeah, I'd let it go. I'm not, honestly, I'm not there yet. And then your relationship with those children ends that same day. See, that's, that's her thinking. She ends it. Do you know what I'm saying? And cause you know, crime is, is my, is what I do. It's, that's it's your job. Yeah. 20 years. So she not only ends, here's the thing about Tony. Tony's more valuable to her alive than he is dead because of financial reasons you know so you know uh i would be more concerned for you than i would be for her i'll be quite frank with you um in that situation something i certainly have thought about and worry about Um, yeah more so you know you always have to look at who's more valuable dead or alive you know who feels like they would you know people like you you know i just hope that people can get the mental health that they need if you're at that point where you're pulling a gun on somebody you you need serious mental health you need assistance to awesome. work through this incredible anger that's going to end in absolute disaster. and the fact that the um justice system doesn't the fact that yeah i mean it's you know we've experienced i know especially this is what you do um, and I know you've seen all sides of the justice system and you see why there are certain people that just don't have a certain level of mistrust because it's not worked out for them. But then there's some people that it's worked for. In our case, it's not prompted our family to have certain people to get the mental health help that they severely and desperately need. Because our system step, one thing I learned, system is um, reactive. It's not proactive. No, I agree with you. I agree. With yeah. You. So in, in this case, I don't know if like you, you're talking about, oh, can mom and dad? Yes, it will be very important. Should one of your parents, whomever passes away first, because we know death is a part of life. You know, it, it's it's going to happen for all of us. We just don't know the minute, moment, no hour. They're like they say in the Bible. But we know that's something that's going to happen. I would love to see the like one of your parents be able to support their children because it's like, wow, you've lost a parent. I'm going to support you. I think you and I both know just based off this conversation and the conversations we had before, that's not something that your your mom wouldn't be able to do that 
for you guys because she's not been able to give you peace since the divorce. She's not been able to allow you access to dad without this cloud of he had he's an adulterer and Patricia is this. So I do I think that your mom would all of a sudden be able to do that? And would you want her there? Like thinking, I mean, you'd be grieving, but would she really be grieving your right. father? It's, it's a very good question. It's interesting. Like when that time comes, you know, we, you have to realize who's in your life and what you can rely on them for. And God forbid, you know, the day I get the phone call, it's happened. It will be, that will not be a place. I will go yeah. You won't be able to go there. And I think about the level of resent. And I, you know, I, that's not even, you know, I've already said, I was like, listen, like, cause I've had text messages. Like we have records of showing, you know, the, the bio mom in our case. So, oh my God, I wish you were dead. So I couldn't allow her to come and look at my husband deceased and thinking in her mind, just, just the thought of thinking somebody's celebrating that I, I couldn't do it. Not where I am right now at this place in my life. You know, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if your mom or dad will be able to, to do that because they've had a very long time to make each other's days a little less enjoyable. Right. But, and the other thing is that, you know, the thing that you and I've talked about is you guys have children in your circumstances that can be manipulated. We were yes. in our 20s. So we you were still manipulated though. We were, we were. that's what I was going to say. We thought we were outside of that, but there is still that push pull between the parents of manipulation of the children, particularly early on when it came to holidays, there was that grab like, well, you're all coming here. You know, somebody was left out and left alone. That who does that? <laughs> I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I, I mean, book, you know, you, you know, you sit over there and you sit over there, you know, but, but yeah. You know, your situation is I, I feel bad for kids that are not understanding what's going on, being told a false narrative, then are going to grow up and have to unpack all that and deal with it. I'm sorry, but you're a shitty parent for doing that to your to your kids. Be honest yeah. with them. You know, it didn't work out with mommy and daddy. We both love you very much. Daddy's going to love somebody else and mommy's going to love somebody else. And we'll all love you together. How, how is that so complicated? How is it? So, you know, and even in your, your mom and dad's case, he moved on. Mom was hurt. Mom, mom, you know, and I can't put a time limit on when somebody should heal, but 25 years seems like a long ass time to be holding a grudge. But, but it is, but you know, remember this was that era you know what we were never rich by any means but we were we did okay we did well my mother was shamed her father he left her for another woman oh, yeah was, was the same name and they had the audacity to get married was she younger was the other woman uh, younger they, oh okay i don't mean any disrespect to patricia but she was not as attractive as my mom oh, but she looks like, but they have a similar look. So when I'm Damn. in, someone's like, oh, you look like your mother. And I'm like, that's not my mother. That's my mother. I don't so say, it's, I don't use so, that mother because I just feel like as an adult, it's not appropriate. I refer to her as my father's wife. Well, you never really got to have the stepmom experience. Like my stepkids, that, I think the first summer they came to be with us, they were calling me their stepmom. But now they've been indoctrinated to say, that's your dad's wife. 
you know, so they don't call because they, they're not allowed to call me that. So the mental thing, the manipulation has happened. But I understand you met Patricia, you know, it's kind of and I know by calling someone a stepmom when you know your other parent has bad feelings toward them, you feel like you're being disloyal because Patricia, for all intents and purposes, textbook is your dad's wife. She's a freaking stepmom. But she didn't you know, you met her when you were full grown adult. So I get that. I get it. Oh man, so this is a lot. So guys, guess what though? This is not the last time you are going to hear from investigative journalist, Mr. Steph Watts. So Steph and I are actually working on a super big project. You guys know that I'm like an avid fan of investigative ID and like Snap and all this stuff. And it's cool because one of my best friends is literally on all those shows. It's Steph. And so I was like, Steph, I want you to what? You know, we have, we talk about this bad stuff that happens in blended family. And Steph was like, Naja, a lot of this stuff, like a lot of the murders, especially the murders for hire that I do. I'm not laughing at the word murder. That seems pretty sad. He was like, it's because of some love triangle blended family, some scorned wife or some bitter baby dad. Oh God. So guess what, guys? It created a monster, everybody. I got to go. Yeah. But if you look at it, like I always say, Naja, so you decided to kill your pregnant wife and throw her in the ocean over getting a divorce. Like, what was that thought process? Like, what are you thinking? Mental illness is real, Steph. That's what I mean. It is freaking real. How is killing your partner a better option than just being like, go live your life and good luck? Like, it's just... Um, million dollar question and that's why you know so many cases of you know scott peterson drew peterson you know the menendez brothers killed their own parents and um casey anthony killed her daughter although she wasn't charged with you know so she could have a better life like you know just give the kid to your mom she was what you know Mm -hmm. it's just it's never it's never ceased amazing so you and i are certainly fascinated by what led to that yes how what, do how what? do we get here? How do we what get to the moment here? to where you say, I'm gonna take your life instead of divorcing you? Right. Right. How do we get there? So, guys, um, Steph and I are working on this amazing project. I don't know if it's gonna turn out to be like a three-part series on the podcast, but I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall. It's going the way of crime. We are gonna cover some of some of the most popular crime stories and Steph is going to teach us or share with us some of the ones that may not have gotten mainstream media attention. So until then last night, the young man that was found in the trunk of his car because his girlfriend had met another guy, like, you know, Mm. that's blended. That's blended family stuff right there. And he said, yep, yes, this one, you know, Mm. so yeah. Together, and we just hope by by ta- by telling these and seeing sort of the the audacity in these within these crimes that people can maybe I don't know change their thinking. It's crime no, no, time Naja Hall. <laughs> because like when you know, I will literally come home from like a long day, and I'm like, oh, let me see what's on ID, and I'm literally being entertained by the last day of someone's life. Awful. That, but it's it's. It just doesn't seem real. And I know this is what you like. Steph has gone to the crime scenes. You went to John Benet Ramsey. You interviewed John Benet Ramsey's entire family, right? Like, 
Well, you, the killer, the, the alleged killer, you know, uh, John Mark Carr flew to Thailand. You know, I sat down with Casey Anthony's parents. I interviewed Yaron uh, Vandersloot, who killed Natalie Holloway. You know, I sat face to face with these people. And it's trying to just, you know, I just got back from Chicago for Oxygen, where I did, you know, the Yolanda Holmes murder, the uh, beautiful uh black socialite businesswoman who was murdered by her son so he could make rap videos and use oh them. he used the insurance money to to do his little dumbass rap career throw out money and my question to youtube is why are those videos still up of him throwing out blood money um for in rap videos that he got for murdering his mom you know um but it was interesting because when i talked to family in that case of black people would say to me Black people don't kill their mothers for money. That's what white people do. And I'm like, listen, yeah, you're like, baby, yes. not this one, not this that one. Because in the black community, even a toxic mother is coveted as a saint. I'll say that in the black community. But one thing I've seen in the white community, I mean, say this: motherhood across the world culture, culture of humanity, even in the animal kingdom, there's like this patron sainthood. So when a you know, when somebody offs a mom, it's like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. So y'all, we're not going to get into all of these stories right now. Um, Steph and I are cooking up some. For those of you that are crime enthusiasts, we literally have an expert. You can just go and Google him, honey. You Google Steph Watts. Remember Nancy Grace used to always say, hey, Steph. Like, this is the Steph that she was talking about. So he has a very long history in helping to bring these crimes to light and tell the stories of the people that can't speak for themselves anymore. And tell it, tell your listeners that it really isn't send us stories. If there's stories that we we can shed a light on or talk about, we're happy to take a look at them right now. So send us stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, y'all, this has been, we actually went way over, but I think you guys probably found this episode super interesting. So (laughs) every other Tuesday, you know how to find, I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall, everywhere you listen to your podcast. We are everywhere your favorite podcast is streamed. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you very soon. I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall. I know I'm crazy.